All right, my sisters, were you in the house Thursday night? Oh, yeah. It was amazing. So, so very good. I've been able to attend all of them, and uh, this one by far was the, the best attended one for sure. Uh, the parking lot was full, uh, running out of seats uh, as well. Uh, but it was an incredible night. God met us in a great way. I'm acting like I'm one of the girls. I'm not. <laughs> I was just here with some of the guys that were here trying to serve you and make your experience a little good. Or, uh, but it was good. It was good to be here. And in fact, we want to hear what God has been doing in your life. So whether you were here that night or God's doing something else in your life, hey, there's a, in, in the seat pocket, there's a prayer request card and a praise report card. So if God's been touching and moving in your life, we want to hear about it. So let us know on one of those cards, or you can go online and let us know as well. So uh, sisterhood, that was so fun. Now, misterhood, <laughs> brotherhood. Uh, we're going to have an event coming up in November. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head, but we're going to do a Friday night, men's night in November. So just be uh, looking for, uh, for more details as we find them out. Kelly asked me, uh, do you have a theme yet for the, the Brotherhood night? I'm like, no, that's your job. I just, <laughs> I just show up and preach. <laughs> Don't do all that creative stuff. But I uh, just want you to know that that's coming too. So praise the Lord. Great Awesome things are happening here at Calvary. It's a great place to be involved, whether you are 10 or 110. That's what Kelly always says. But even if you're under 10, it's a good place to be. And we want to say welcome to those of you joining us online as well through YouTube or Facebook. So glad that you could be with us. We got just a few more days of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are on uh, day 18. Make sure that you go to the Welcome Center if you haven't yet and get your, your prayer journals, your uh, Bible reading guides. You can even pick up. We got bracelets out there too. I think the youth, they are doing daily devotionals based on the daily Bible readings as well. So if you'll look online, YouTube, search for Calvary Youth or something like that, uh, you should be able to find that as well. Or maybe we'll post it on the church's Facebook page. But we want to be plugged in to the heart of God during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, um, last week, we started a series kind of in conjunction with the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting called Possessing the Promise. We're learning from a man named Joshua. He is uh, the first person in the Bible with a, with a book named after him, the sixth book of the Bible. Uh, we're talking about Possessing the Promise, and we're going to be in chapter 2 of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there now. We'll be there in just a moment. But God wants to take us to new levels in him. He has promises for all of his children, and it's not his will that his kids have wilderness living for their entire lives. Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. It's not his will for you to be in the wilderness your whole life. He's got great things in store for you. And so we are learning from Joshua, who led God's people into the promised land. Now, after 40 years of following Moses, Joshua became the new leader of the nation of Israel. He took the reins of leadership, and as he did, God sent a specific message to Joshua. We talked about this last week. He said, be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you. Have I not commanded you? He, he would say it again several times just so he knew that he was getting the message, be strong, be courageous, for God is with you. 
And then, then the Israelite people, they kind of followed that message too. They said, hey, we followed Moses, but we're going to follow you now. We can sense God's hand is upon you. And God said, even as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. So after 400 years in Egypt, many of those years as slaves in Egypt, and then another 40 years in the wilderness wandering around, Israel is now poised to enter the promised land. They are just on the east side of the Jordan River. And we're going to pick up verse number one from Joshua chapter two. It reads this. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof. So she was telling stories, right? She brought them to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So Joshua, he sends two spies to scout out the land, especially Jericho. Now, interestingly enough, 38 years earlier, Moses sent out 12 spies to scout out the land. Joshua happened to be one of those 12 spies 38 years earlier. Ten of those 12 spies came to Moses earlier and said, hey, there's no way we can take this land, Moses. There's giants in the land. The men are fierce warriors. The towns are too great. The walls are too thick and they're too tall. There's no way that we're going to be able to possess this promised land that God has for us. Well, that was not the report that Joshua came back. Joshua and his buddy Caleb, two of the ten, came back with a positive report. They came and they said, hey, Moses, I know what they're saying. That Yeah, there's giants in the land. The walls are tall and thick. But God is for us. He has given us this. And if if he has given it as our possession, he's going to help us conquer the land. Let's go do it. But unfortunately... The people of Israel, they bought into the negative report. I don't know about you, but I find that frustrating. When people who have seen the hand of God move, when they've experienced his miracles by his powerful hand, they've seen his marvelous works, and then all of a sudden now they're going to be gripped by fear instead of faith in God. Man, I hope that's never me. I pray that that's never you. I pray that that's never us. Did you know that that lack of faith cost them that entire generation 
from possessing the land. Okay. If that's how you guys want to be, God said, I'm just going to let this generation die off so I can raise up a new generation who will have the faith in me to go conquer the land. I pray that that is our attitude. I pray that we would reject doubt and fear and negativity and faithlessness. Let's be people of hope, right? Let's be people who walk in joy, who walk in victory, people who believe God's report over man's report, right? Because we understand greater is he in me, greater is he in you than he that's in the world. Amen. They robbed themselves of the promises of God because of their faithlessness. So Joshua, he sends out not 12, he sends out two spies to check out Jericho. He's like, hey, that didn't work so well when we sent 12. It's hard to get 12 guys on the same page. Fool me once, right? Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So he sends two spies to scout out the land, especially Jericho. Now, some have wondered, why would Joshua even need to send out the spies? I mean, God has promised the nation of Israel this land. He promised it all the way back to Abraham. I'm going I'm to give you a, a nation, and then I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be an incredible land. And since God ordained it, why, why would we need to send out scouts? I mean, God is all-powerful. He's almighty. Certainly, he can crush any enemy. Certainly, he can bring down any walls that need to be brought down. He's all-knowing. So why would we need, to, we need to send two spies out? We don't need man's intel to assess the situation here. So I wonder if perhaps, could it be that, that God had Joshua send those two spies on this covert mission because of one woman and her family? Perhaps in God's grace, he wanted to reach Rahab as part of his greater story that he was writing. And so today, I want to give us three observations from this passage in Joshua chapter 2. Hopefully, you're taking notes today. Number one, this first observation, as we want to look at the grace of God. Anybody in the room thankful for God's grace in your life? Amen. God's love and grace, it's a limitless supply. His grace never runs out. There's not just a, a, so much of, a, of grace, and then once he's done passing out, I'm sorry, I'm all done. There is a limitless supply of God's grace. It can reach the worst, the vilest of sinners. It can reach the outcast and the rejects. Now, Rahab, Rahab is a Canaanite. She is living in that land of Canaan that was promised to Israel. She is a non-Jew. She is a Gentile. That's what Gentile means, just a non-Jewish person. On top of that, Rahab has been living a prostitute life. She is living in a life of sin. This woman should be a complete outcast. There's a lot working against Rahab here. She must be deemed as unredeemable. Bible scholars, they tell us that she was likely a temple prostitute. Now, the Canaanite, they had their own set of gods, and they had own idols, some of their own making, by the way. And they would often pray to these gods and to these idols, hoping that they would send blessing onto the land for their crops that they were growing. And so often, there would be temple prostitutes who would do 
sexual, vile, lewd acts right in front of the idols in attempts to get those gods and those idols to move on their behalf that they might have a good crop, that their land might be fertile. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat the reality of Rahab here. She was a bona fide, straight-up sinner. She was a prostitute, openly practicing pagan worship. But God, in his mercy, God, in his grace, sent two spies who would come to the rescue to help her find redemption and grace. And you might be wondering, well, why were these two spies even close to this area? Why did they choose Rahab's house? Well, well, her house, her house was on the outer wall. Uh, scholars tell us that there was a big outer wall and probably in another in wa- inner wall as well. So on the outer wall is where her house was. So she had a good view of the land out there so she could call the travelers to come in. Hey, we're open for business. She could solicit travelers for some business. And she likely had an inn as well where, where you could house and stay overnight. So this would have been a hub of activity there in Jericho, a place to find a, a motel, a place to find a prostitute, a place to get a drink at the tavern. Now listen, we don't endorse that lifestyle, uh, but, the, but the spies, uh, they, they would have found this to be an ideal location, okay? They, they could get the feel of the town here. They could figure out where everybody's at. They could gather some uh, information from the locals and some intel hanging out there uh, with, among the travelers. That would also help them kind of stay inconspicuous. Okay, I guess this is where the travelers stay. This is where we'll stay. But apparently, these two spies, they weren't very stealthy, Okay, Uh, because the king, the leaders of the town, found out that they were there. And so as the leaders, they they, they confront Rahab. They say, hey, we heard that these two guys from Israel were at your house. And so they confront her. And in that moment, Rahab had a choice to make. She had a decision to make. Was she going to turn in the spies? Was she going to remain loyal to Jericho? remain loyal to the Canaanite gods? Or was she going to switch her allegiance to the God of Israel, sparing the spies' lives? Grace was extended to Rahab, but it was on her to make the choice. And it's it's the same for us too, right? Grace is available to us all. We just have to make the decision. The choice is ours. Will we accept his grace? Or will we just leave it? And Rahab's story is a reminder that God can save the worst of sinners. Whatever we've done, whatever our past, whether it be prostitution or something else that might be wicked or vile, or some sort of addiction or lust or greed or immorality or anything else, God's grace is greater than all of that. And the truth is, All of us are Rahab. Now, our story might not look exactly like Rahab's, but all of us, in a sense, are Rahab in that we can never save ourselves. We can never earn our own redemption. We are all lost. We are all outcasts. We are all depraved. We've all been corrupted in need 
of God's grace. And the good news is that his love, his mercy, his grace is able to reach us right where we're at. The long arm of God is plenty long to reach you no matter how far you've gone. His grace was available to rehab, uh, rehab, Rahab. You can make a little sermon right there, can't you? Rahab needed some rehab. Let's rename this sermon. And his grace is available to us today as well. You're not beyond the reach of God's grace. Think about Rahab's life. Think about the experiences that she must have gone through. I imagine that she got tired of sex with no love. I imagine that at first she thought that this could be a lifestyle. Maybe I could make a good living, living this way, this promiscuous lifestyle. This sounds exciting and thrilling, but when the thrill faded, I'm sure it just left her broken and empty, feeling wasted and abused and hurt. By the way, that is the inevitable result of a life lived in pleasure of a life lived in sin. You think it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so great. But that life, which you thought was going to be so fulfilling, just leaves you more broken, more empty. But God's grace can change all of that. And Rahab, the rehab, said yes to God's grace. But what about the rest of Jericho? I mean, was God's grace not available to the rest of Jericho? Was it only available to Rahab? Well, the truth is that God's grace was available to everybody. We'll read how uh, how the whole land of Canaan has heard about this incredible God. They could have also accepted God's gift of grace. Anybody can accept the grace that Yahweh extends to us. But Rahab was wise enough to accept his grace. Ephesians tells us that it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. And that takes us to number two. The second observation we're going to make from this passage in chapter two today is the faith of Rahab. Not only did Rahab accept God's grace, she also exhibited great faith to the God of Israel. Let's pick up the story in the next verse, verse 8. Before the men lay down, she, meaning Rahab, came up to them on the roof and said to them, Hey, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that you, I'm sorry, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Gog, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you, for the Lord your God He is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. Isn't that interesting? She just kind of wrote a quick little song there. The Lord your God is the God of heavens, and he's the God of earth. 
So obviously, word has spread about the mighty works of God on behalf of Israel. And Rahab may have even had some uh, uh, extra details because of her line of work. She had direct contact with the travelers who were coming into the town. But everybody had heard of the miracles and the conquests and the victories that Israel was experiencing thanks to the mighty hand of God. So much so that, that their hearts melted. Their spirit was gone. Like, oh my goodness, we're in for it. What are we going to do? Yet in spite of hearing all of this, in spite of hearing about the miracles and the conquest and the victories, Jericho had no intentions of surrendering to God and his plan. Now we contrast that with Rahab. Okay, Rahab, she now has these two spies in her house these two spies from the nation that she's been hearing of from a distance are now in her home. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not take, I'm not going to take, I am going to take advantage of this, right? And how does she respond? She puts her faith in God. She even declares, he is the God of heavens above and the earth beneath. She said, we have heard of your God. We have heard how God delivered you from Egypt. We have heard how God split open the Red Sea and millions of people were able to walk across on dry land. We have heard how he delivered your enemies into your hands. We have heard of the mighty works of God. Paul said this in Romans, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're going to have this kind of faith, we need to dwell on the word of God. Get the word of God inside of us. Hear his words for our lives. Up to that point, Rahab had only heard of this Yahweh. She hadn't yet walked with him. She hadn't yet seen firsthand with her own eyes his miracles in action. But Nevertheless, she engaged her faith. She believed in God's grace, that he would work on her behalf. She heard the good news, and then she would act on it. Yes, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but, faith, but the scripture says also that faith without works is dead. You have to do something with that faith. At some point, we have to engage our faith and put it into action. Rahab actually made it into the Bible, into the New Testament a couple of places. She made it into one of the most famous passages, actually, Hebrews 11, where we find this great hall of faith, hall of fame filled with faith-filled people. And verse 31 of Hebrews 11, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies... Okay, so she had the faith, then she did something with it. She welcomed the spies. She put her faith into action. Because of that, she was not killed with those who were disobedient. We gain faith through hearing. The very next uh, book, Hebrews, then James, James chapter 2, verse 25 and 26 says this, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did did 
when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, this is where we get this famous passage, so faith without works is dead. We get that very passage from the life of Rahab. So we gain faith through hearing the word of God, but we don't stop there. We put faith into action by walking, not in fear, but in faith. Rahab's faith was real enough that she was willing to put it into action. Her faith was so real that she was actually willing to put her own life on the line. I mean, we just read where the king, where the leaders of Jericho came to her, confronted her. I said, hey, what's up, Rahab? We hear that these two Israelite men are in your house. But she put her faith into action. Her life was on the line. Had she spilled the beans, it would have been certain execution for her. But she chose to exchange her allegiance to Jericho. She chose to exchange her citizenship of Jericho to the citizenship of the God of Israel and the people of God. It's the same for us when we put our faith in God. We turn back on the old life. We turn our backs on the old life and we embrace a new life with Jesus. So if we're going to possess all that God has for us, we're going to have to put our faith in into action, and our faith should be in God and in God alone, okay? My faith is not in me. My faith is not in others. My faith is not in what others have to say about things. My faith is not in my atmosphere or environment. My faith isn't in circumstances or titles or position or money. My faith is in God and in God alone, right? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. To possess the promise, we're going to have to put our faith in God. And then thirdly, I want us to take a look at the provision of God. God has some unique and creative ways of providing deliverance on our behalf. Let's pick up the story at verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, You also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. 
Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of yours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Okay, so the spies insisted that Rahab use a very specific scarlet cord to ensure that her and her family would be safe. I find it interesting that a scarlet cord is connected to the provision of God. Now, uh, you may have heard the term uh, red light district. Often uh, sinful things like prostitution happens in the red light district of, of the town. In essence, Rahab lived in the red light district of Jericho. Right? Maybe that, maybe that scarlet cord, when she put it out of the window, it said, okay, we're open for business, boys. Scarlet cord is out. But I believe there is more symbolism going on here. God has something to say about scarlet too. Look at Isaiah, what the prophet wrote in chapter number one. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isn't that powerful? About 40 years earlier, Moses and the children of Israel, they were still in Egypt. They hadn't left yet. They hadn't been set free. They were still in bondage to Pharaoh. God had sent nine of the ten plagues to convince Pharaoh to let his people go, but his heart was hardened. He was stubborn. He hadn't yet let God's people go. So God was sending one more plague, and it was going to cost the firstborn son of Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. Then God told Moses to tell the people of Israel, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. And I want you to take the lamb, the, the blood of that lamb, and I want you to put it on the doorpost at your house. Apply the blood to the doorpost. And then when the death angel comes sweeping across the land, when they see the blood applied to your house, it will pass over and your sons will be spared. And so to this day, actually, the events of that day Passover is celebrated. It's one of the celebrations, one of the feasts that God instituted for the people of Israel. Passover, signifying that the blood applied would bring salvation to that house. Fast forward now, 40 years after Passover, Rahab is displaying the scarlet cord. And whenever God sees that scarlet cord hanging from her window, hanging from her house, guess what? Salvation is coming to her house. 
Isn't that good news? There will be no destruction. There will be no harm in that household. She will live. Her family live, will live and everyone in her whole household. The scarlet cord was God's plan for provision and salvation. And you know what else? Passover pointed to another event that would happen centuries later. On Passover, there was a perfect, spotless, sinless lamb whose blood was shed, whose blood was applied to your sin and to my sin, to your shame and to my shame. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life on that cross. His blood was spilled for our salvation. And so that blood symbolically, when it is applied to our lives, God says, I no longer see your shame. I no longer see your sin, your guilt, your past. You are now a child of God. You are now one of God's chosen people. The blood of Jesus brought provision and salvation. He no longer sees your shame. This is a word that came from the Holy Spirit for somebody today in perfect alignment with the word for you. It says this, the Lord is saying today, the shame you have been carrying is gone. I don't know who that word is for today, but I pray that you would receive it. You would allow the blood of Jesus to be applied to your situation. You would allow the blood of Jesus to be applied to whatever it is that you are carrying, whatever shame or guilt or sin you might be carrying. Let the blood of Jesus be applied. And when Jesus sees that blood applied in your life, guess what? Destruction is no longer coming to your home. The blood symbolizes salvation and redemption. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Without the scarlet cord, she and her household would face destruction. Likewise, without the blood of Jesus, you and I are also doomed for destruction. And I'm sure Rahab, when she heard that there was hope for her and her family, she went and she tried to tell them all, quick family, quick friends, hurry up loved ones, judgment is coming. But guess what? If you will come into my home where the scarlet thread is, you're going to be saved. And the same is with us. We need to be telling our friends, our family, our loved ones, quick, get in the house. Judgment is coming. Let the blood of Jesus be applied to your life. Now, jumping ahead just for a bit going to kind of give you a glimpse. We're going to be in chapter 3 next week and then chapter 4, but I'm going to jump to chapter 6 just for a moment. Uh, we're going to jump into part of the story where Joshua has already led the nation of Israel across the Jordan River, and they've already conquered Jericho. In chapter 6, verse 25, it says this. Interesting that this is noted here. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. Kept the promise, the scarlet cord. Saved her and the family. And she has lived in Israel to this day. Even though she was a Canaanite, she was accepted as a full member of the nation of Israel. 
Not only was she spared, not only was she rescued, she was embraced as part of God's chosen people. She was fully embraced as a member of the Jewish nation. Once she was outside of the family of God, but now, thanks to God's grace, her faith, God's provision, she finds herself inside the family of God. Now check this. Later, she would marry one of these Israelite men. She married an Israelite named Salmon. Now, some commentators speculate maybe Salmon was one of those two spies. We don't know. Maybe when we get to heaven, that can be a question that we can ask. But she marries a a, a man from the tribe of Judah named Salmon. Salmon and Rahab have a son named Boaz. Boaz marries a woman named Ruth. Ruth has an entire book of the Bible named after her in the Old Testament. Ruth and Boaz have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David. King David. The greatest earthly king that Israel would ever know. That King David. His great, great grandma was Rahab. How incredible is that? It doesn't stop there. Doesn't stop there, does it? Because David, who has, has a son, who has a son, who has a son for centuries, and his son would be Jesus Christ. Scripture says that the Messiah, the Son of God, would come from the tribe of Judah, from the lineage of David. Jesus Christ came from David, who came from Rahab. How incredible is that? Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the sinner. Rahab the outcast. Rahab the Canaanite would be the great-great-grandmother of David and the ancestor to Jesus Christ of the tribe of Judah, the Son of God, all because of the scarlet cord, all because she came under the blood covenant. Rahab received a new identity, a new way of life, not because of her skin color, not because of her nationality, but because she put her faith in God. When we put our faith in God, we get taken out of that old family and we begin to be put in the new family, the family of God. So that's good news. Rahab reminds us, her story tells us that your past doesn't dictate your future. It doesn't matter what kind of vile, wicked stuff you participated in. What kind of addiction you were wrapped up in, even if it was prostitution, God can redeem it, and he can put a new identity on you. It's Jesus Christ that comes, and he wipes away the label Canaanite. Jesus comes, and he wipes away the label sinner. Jesus comes in, and he wipes away the label prostitute, outcast, loser. And he puts a new label on us, saved, redeemed, set free, part of the family of God a son, a daughter of Jesus. Isn't that good news, everybody? Amen. Lord, we just give you praise.
The old is gone. The new has come. To God be the glory. Praise the Lord. Mm. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Mm. Lord, we thank you for your word that has gone forth today. It's encouraged us. Thank you, Lord, that our past does not dictate our future. We're going to celebrate communion in just a few moments. But before we do that, we want to give you an opportunity to invite this Jesus who gave his blood for you into your heart, into your life. Like we said earlier, all of us are Rahab. The details of our story might not be exactly like Rahab, but in a sense, all of us are Rahab. We are outcasts. We were labeled by our past, labeled by our sin and our guilt and our shame. But God, in his mercy, God, in his grace, invites us to have the blood of Jesus applied. And so today, if you want to receive that gift, if you want to be like Rahab and turn in your citizenship of Jericho for a a citizenship in heaven, we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Let him come and wash away your sin. Though your sin be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And right now, we believe that God is going to come and change your label, change your identity. You are now going to be labeled a son, a daughter of God. So if that's you, would you join several in the first service that raised their hand and said, yes, I want to receive this Jesus. I want to be given a new identity. If that's you, would you just... Raise your hand and hold it there for a moment so I can see it. Praise the Lord. There's hands going up. Just keep them there. There might be in a few moments, there might be a host that comes and finds you. They're going to put in your hand a bag that's going to help you. Got a Bible for you. Got a now what pamphlet that's going to help you on your spiritual journey. But before we do anything else, before we take communion, we want to take that next step. I want to lead you in a prayer that's a prayer of surrender to the Lord that says, I'm rejecting my Rahab Jericho life and I'm embracing the life with Jesus. If that's you, would you just, in fact, let's all say this out loud together. Everybody say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up and I'm sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to cover my sin. Right now, I repent of my sin. I invite you into my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what we did there is we just received the grace of God, and then we chose to walk in faith. We chose to believe that Jesus is the way to salvation. It's his blood and his blood alone that can wash away your sin. He is the only path to heaven. Okay? So what that prayer did, it was just the the first step. Now now tomorrow, you're going to have to follow Jesus again. And then the next day and the next day. It's a spiritual journey. It's not just say a prayer and then go back to life as normal. You now have a new normal. Your new normal is following Jesus each and every day.
okay? Now, in just a moment, we're going to have communion, and we want you, if you just invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, we want you to join us in communion. Because at our church, you don't have to be a member to take communion. You just have to be a child of God. And so if that's you in this place, we invite you to join us in remembering what Jesus did. Pastor Sean, in just a moment, is going to lead us. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God too, okay? Something in this message may have spoke to your heart. Maybe you've been still walking a little bit of that guilt, a little bit of that shame. Maybe you recognize, maybe, maybe I haven't re- fully repented. Maybe I haven't fully turned from this uh, area of sin in my life, and you need to do that. just want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Before you take communion, examine yourself. So I want us to take a moment right now and do that. And while we do that, we're just going to sing this song together. But while we sing, would you just examine your heart, do some business with God. Come on, let's sing. Thank you, Jesus. Sing that again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. with God? Okay, let's let's take the bread, the cracker from the bottom of your cup here. Paul went on to say, oh yes, if you need, uh, our hosts are here to serve you. If you need a cup over here, thank you. Right here in the second row. We'll wait just a moment. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says, The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This symbolizes the broken body of Jesus. And then he said, Do this in remembrance of me. So together, let's take the bread. for your broken body. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. You know what that means? We no longer have to sacrifice lambs for the forgiveness of our sins. He became the ultimate sacrifice. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now together, let's take the cup. Amen. Now let's stand all across the room. The hosts are going to come and collect your elements there. But come on, let's take a moment all over the room. Thank the Lord for what he did for us. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for being the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Thank you for being willing to allow your blood to be spilled and then applied to our lives. We thank you that your blood is so powerful it can wash away my sin and your sin and the sins of the world. Though our sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow all because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you that your blood, it can wash away sins and it also can bring healing into our body. Your blood was shed for our healing. So right now, even with our hands lifted, if you need healing in your body, as you're thanking the Lord for what he did for you, would you just receive the healing of God right now? Something physical is happening in your head or your chest or your side or your leg, wherever it is, Lord, we just speak the blood of Jesus. We speak healing into our lives right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that your grace is greater than all of our sin. We thank, that, thank you that your blood is strong enough, is powerful enough to wipe away our sin and to bring healing into our bodies right now. We receive it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we are no longer labeled as washed up. We are no longer labeled as trash, as loser, as has been, as prostitute, as addict, whatever it might be. We are now labeled as sons of daughters, sons and daughters of God. We receive your identity for our lives in the name of Jesus. Now listen, the prayer team, they're coming forward. If you need prayer for anything, these men and women, they're going to be here to pray for you as long as you need. Maybe you just invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. They want to help you. They want to pray for you. They want to help you on your next steps. Maybe you're, you're sick in body. Maybe you've got a big decision. Maybe you're battling anxiety or worry or whatever it might be. Let these men and women pray for you. Now, listen, we're not rushing you off. Uh, but we are going to say a prayer of dismissal. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Then you are free to go, but you are also free to stay. Spend some more time with the Lord if you need to do that. But if you need to, to grab the, the hand of a loved one nearby, I'm going to pray for you and your family now. May the Lord bless you and keep you and your household. May the Lord make his countenance shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And listen, if you're new, I'm going to be in the Welcome Center in just a moment. Love to meet you. Growth Track's going to start in a few moments. Now, come back next week because we're going to read where the children of Israel finally crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. God bless you. We'll see you next week.